All right, everyone. Welcome to the first day of shooting for the film I Am Sam, starring Sean Penn. Now, I have Sean Penn. Everyone's Sean Penn's here, everyone, and he's going to do a fantastic job with this incredibly touching story of a man who, with an intellectual disability, who just wants to be able to raise his own child. Now, Sean Penn will be uh, method acting, so don't expect him to break character. Isn't that right, Sean Penn? I'm Sam, and I got, and I have a right to raise my child. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, amazing, Sean. Absolutely amazing performance. Oh, we are going to fucking come, Oscars. I can feel it. Welcome to the show. All right, everybody, and welcome back to Ruben Uncut. Uh, before we get into the main topic, I just want to give a couple shout-outs here. Um, so a thing I don't write, uh, I don't readily advertise about my podcast is that my podcast does come with a support option. Uh, you can uh, donate money to me to continue my podcasting ways. Um, I don't know if there's, I, I, I honestly, I've, I have not looked into it super well, so I don't know if there's like limitations on how much you can or can't or have to uh, donate. Um, but I did recently receive my first supporter. Shout out to Aaron. Uh, I hope it's okay. <laughs> you know what? Uh, shout out to Aaron. I'll just, I'm gonna, I, just I didn't ask, I should have, maybe it's not cool to give out your full name. Shout out to Aaron. I'm gonna. I'll take out your last name, just, just to, just to be on the safe side. You know the internet and whatnot. Uh, but uh, I know it's Ruben Cut, but you know sometimes you gotta censor sensitive things. I'm not here to be a dick, though I am kind of a dick. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> so, so yes, you too can help support my podcast if you have the the spare dough. Uh, and feel like, you're like, you know, like, you know what, that Ruben guy, I like what he's doing. Or even if you don't like my podcast and you're just like, I am personally worried about Ruben Ryan and his physical and mental health. You know, then, then you could also donate some money. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm joking around with that last one a little bit. But the point is, is that that is an option and you can support me. Um, and that being said, if I get enough people supporting me, then I won't have to do ads. Because, guess what? At some point, ads are coming. I don't know when, but they're coming. Uh, it all depends on when Anchor decides that I'm commodifiable. Um, and I'll be honest, I am in no position to say no to money. Uh, but hey, you know, if I had enough supporters, maybe I wouldn't have to have ads. I don't, I don't know how much the money that actually would be that I would need to uh, offset the loss from ads. But I don't have ads yet, so it doesn't really matter. But anyways... On to today's topic. <clears throat> so recently, I made a uh, my previous episode. I talked about uh, representation and why I thought it was important that film have uh, not just positive representation of various uh, groups and minorities, but also that they that that is good for us as a society to have a a wide humanizing look at other groups. That was, that was sort of my overall point. Now, I do want to address a couple things, because I, I, got, I got some feedback from some, from, uh, from some loved ones, um, and I, want to, I do want to address the fact, yes, I roll emoji, I am a white cis guy, and I am talking about representation. And, you know, I want to acknowledge some things there. Uh... I, I am totally white and cis, and I have uh, the main pri uh, the main privileges that that go along with that. Um, to be fair, I'm not a hundred percent gender conforming. Although I've reached the age where the ways in which I do not gender conform don't really fucking matter to most people. There are more things that people are like, that fucking kid shouldn't have a ponytail. Get him the. What's wrong with him? Why are you raising him to be a sissy? Like I don't. I don't deal with that now that I have a beard. Uh, like no one's. No one's giving me that shit anymore. Um, so it's not really a big deal that I'm minorly non-gender conforming in these areas because I don't think people 
pick them out as much. For some reason, once you're an adult and you have, you're you allowed to have long hair. I don't know why male, I don't know why boy children aren't allowed to have long hair. That's apparently wrong. Uh, I'm getting sidetracked. The point is, is that I do have a lot of privilege, and it, it is deserving of a certain amount of eye-rolling for me to talk on those, uh, uh, to talk about things like representation. Um, but I do want to talk about it, because I do feel like, and this is the big deal, I do feel like specifically white people have a hard time with this concept. I am not here to inform uh, um, any other minorities. I assume you have lived your lives. You've absorbed the white media constantly being thrown at your faces. You know how it, be, you know how it is. Um, so I, I do want to make it clear. It's like I, I do not in any way feel that I'm in a position to educate anyone who is not white. And, and in fact, to be honest, my, my, my views and takes on the topic could be slightly off base with the perspectives of people who are actually in that minority. But if I think or feel that I could somehow in some way at least make help white people to be more open-minded or, or tolerant in the, in the society, um, then I do want to do that. Um, but I, I will, in, in all major situations, I 100% defer to the people who have actually lived those other experiences. I am primarily, t I am mostly like 90% here talking from a point of um, education. Like people have talked to me about these things and I have read up on these things and I have taken classes where these concepts and understanding media have been brought to me. And so, so there is a, I do have a point of privilege there that I, and I am talking from a, a that perspective, the, the, the educated perspective, not, not the lived perspective. And, and that is a fair criticism of, of me and what I was doing there. Um, and what I'm about to talk about here today is still mostly, um, educational because I, um, while Currently, I am being uh, evaluated for possible neurodivergence, and my current therapist believes that there's a very high possibility that I have a form of neurodivergence. Um, what I'm going to be talking about today, though, is largely representation of disability in the media, um, which is a little bit different from the other types of... I mean, don't get me wrong. There's things about it that are the same as what I was talking about in the, in the previous one. Uh, but there is other elements to this representation as as well. And the other thing about this type of representation, and this technically relates back to the other one as well, and I, but I didn't touch on it as much because there is there's a second dimension to representation in media beyond just the, what it says to society and the importance of that. Uh, there's also another part, which is jobs. Part of representation is also about jobs. Um, because we like to think that we live in a, a free society, but the fact of the matter is, is that because of the lens, the lenses of race and, and, and gender and, and, and ethnicity and, and disability that we look at the world out both through and in those lenses, there is a habit in Hollywood to uh, discriminate on on who they want to put in that position. There, there is a tendency, a strong tendency, to go, "Oh man, wait, let's let's make it default is to go with the default white dude or secondarily white woman." Um, I will say that there is probably more representation of white men uh, than white women in the media, um, but white women. Probably second, second on the rung, because there is a habit of the media to make white the default, and this is represent. If you look even remotely into media history, that you will see this, and there is a tendency in Hollywood to be like, uh, what if, what if that character wasn't Asian and instead they were white, and then the next thing you know, uh, Sean William Scott is playing the fucking bulletproof monk in the movie Bulletproof Monk. Which mind-bendingly was produced by John Woo, so I imagine there was some type of conversation that happened there where someone was like, 
I, I don't know if, like, someone else had to be like, all right, we want to make the main... You know how the main character in the comic book is, like, uh, Tibetan or part Korean or whatever? Uh, what if we cast Sean William Scott as that part? And somehow John Woo went with this. Um, although, uh, why did he go with it? Probably for money. And you, you see, that's the thing, is that these decisions are normally made because there are people in Hollywood who are concerned that non-white males uh, won't support the film, but also that they'll lose those white males. And this is a weird thing that I have experienced, is where sometimes I'll be talking to um, a very uh, heteronormative cis white male, and we'll be talking, and like, I have actually had this conversation where like another nerd has said to me that he just he doesn't know he just doesn't relate to a movie when it stars a woman, and like that blows my fucking mind to be completely honest. Um, it blows my fucking mind that that's the take that someone can have, but it apparently is a thing. Um, but the point is the the point that I'm saying here is that discrimination based on this fear that consumers will not turn out for a non-white male project is a problem that relates directly to jobs and the fact that it makes it harder for for actors who represent different different minorities to move forward in this now the interesting thing though is that actors with disabilities have a secondary problem which is that it is considered societally normal um to cast people who don't have their disabilities in the role just to play to play that role. And there have been lots of arguments that have been made about this, like, oh, well, what if for part of the movie they're not disabled because their disa- the disability comes from an accident? Uh... What it, uh, well, they needed an actor who could play both before and after, right? I mean, which I understand that argument. And if this were still like two or three decades ago, yeah, I guess. Um, but, you know, like even back then they had body doubles. And now we can pretty much just zap a person's face onto another person's body. So this argument becomes less and less pertinent as we move forward. And so that's, so there, so there's that part of it. Now, the thing is, is that I don't, uh, I don't have a specific great, uh, movie that makes it easy for me to break down positive, uh, positive disability representation in the media. Um, I don't get me wrong, there's, it happens, there's plenty of it. In fact, during the 90s, there, into the early 2000s, there was a, um, it was almost an epidemic of fucking people making movies about characters with disabilities um, because it seemed like it was the way to get your Oscar, you know? It was like that was, the th- that was how you did it. That was how you got your Oscar in the 90s was you had to play some type of mental illness or disability. Um, and this, this 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 still goes on. This still goes on. Eddie Redmayne just got got a fucking Oscar uh, for playing Stephen Hawkins. And I'll be in fairness, I have not seen that movie. I'm sure he did a great job or whatever. But I'm 100% certain that there are people with actual disabilities who could play that part. And part of the reason I'm certain that there are people with disabilities who could play that part is because of what I do uh, currently for my day job, which is that I teach theater to people with disabilities. Uh, I I have an emphasis on improv because that's the major thing that I focus on is teaching improv. So that's a thing that I do. I have interacted with actors who have disabilities and there is a, I've interacted with a wide range of actors who have disabilities. Uh, Everything from developmental disabilities to physical disabilities, cerebral palsy, various different things. I've worked with a young man who is in a wheelchair and is literally um, paralyzed from the neck down because of a condition that he has. And you know what? He's a funny dude. We did some good shows together. 
we worked around the fact that, yeah, he could basically move one of his fingers and his head. But you know what? He was still funny. He could still put on a good show. We did a scene together where he played uh, a, a cat in the hat after he was famous uh, and ju had just got and was in prison, you know, for breaking into kids' houses as the cat in the hat. And you know what? It was hilarious. He even came up with the idea of putting a handcuff on his wheelchair. Great stuff. I've, I've worked with a gentleman who has cerebral palsy, and he's a fucking superstar, super charismatic, super charismatic. And I love working with him, and he's put on some killer performances. And I've worked with numerous people at different points of the spectrum, and I've seen how they grow and develop as artists, and it's amazing. And there's absolutely no fucking reason that these people couldn't be getting cast as the roles that they can have, as the roles that are available to them. And you know what? I even personally think that, you know, there are plenty of roles in movies that, you know, like, if a character is in your movie, they could have a... There's no reason you couldn't cast an actor as that role. Somebody's best friend, they're, they're uh, a guy who works at the office. There's all these roles that we don't think about where, like, there's no reason that a person with a disability couldn't have those roles. Now, the argument is often, is often made that, you know, you can't just cast uh, people with disabilities in any role, which, that's a debatable thing. I, I think for, th for theater, you absolutely 100% can. Um, I understand that you're probably not going to cast a person in, the, in a wheelchair as the, the next Batman who has to do a warehouse fight scene from his wheelchair, although I would 100% watch that. I understand that, Hollywood. I get where you're coming from, and I understand there's probably insurance issues that Hollywood would freak out about as well uh, when it came to casting people with disabilities in certain roles. But in all honesty, there are hundreds of roles in movies and television right now that could easily be cast as people with disabilities, and you know what? It would, they would do a great job, and it still wouldn't be a problem. Let's get, uh, here's an example, like Breaking Bad. R.J. Mitty play, is, a re, is an actor who actually has cerebral palsy, and he plays Walter White's son. And he's gone on to be in some other stuff too, but he gives a great performance in that show. And like the thing is, is that like that character doesn't have to have a disability, but I think it adds so much to his character that he does. And R.J. Mitty does a great job in that show. It's, I mean, to be fair, Breaking Bad is just, well, it's a, it's one of the, it's one of the best TV dramas uh, of my lifetime. Anyways, it's it's tale of morality and the failings of man. Beautiful, and it casts, uh, and it has a actor with a with a disability in a prominent role. That's beautiful, good shit. So that is a good modern example of some uh, representation right there. That's beautiful. But the thing is, is that Hollywood has long wanted to make movies about people with disabilities. And this is a very different thing. First of all, the we are literally, we have Hollywood making movies about people with disabilities that is focused on that aspect of their life, the fact that they have a disability. Now, we would never be like, we're going to cast a white guy as a black guy in a movie about the lived experience of being a black guy. Like, that and, like, every word I just said, you go, oh, that's wrong. That's wrong. How's, what, what's that, what's that white guy going to do to be in a movie about a black person's lived experience? Everything about that is cuckoo, cuckoo. However, we have no problem doing this for people with disabilities in movies. We have no problem doing it. It happens all the time. And in fact, like I said, through the 90s, it was like a fucking epidemic. Uh, of course, let's just off the top of my head here, we've got, uh, oh, God damn it, what is that movie with Dustin Hoffman and Tom Cruise? How am I forgetting the name of that fucking movie, Dustin Hoffman and Tom Cruise? The point is, you know what movie? You know what movie I'm, I'm fucking talking about? You know the one where Tom Cruise goes and picks, and suddenly discovers he ha he now has custody of his uh, 
of his um, neurodivergent uh, neurodivergent brother. Now, the thing about that movie is, uh, first of all, Dustin Hoffman, not neurodivergent. Uh, Dustin Hoffman's performance has often been interpreted as, um, as being autistic, but I believe that technically... I believe technically in real life, the guy he's based on has a... I, I believe he technically has a different developmental disorder. Um, but what he looks like in the movie is what we stereotypically think of as autistic. And this is a, this is a problem. And, and this, is, this is kind of the pro one of the problems, is that Hollywood is not good at representing uh, developmental disabilities or, for that matter, mental health. Um, but for a long time, these are the things that, like, got you your Oscars. I mean, look at A Beautiful Mind. Mental Illness there. Oscar. Um, God damn. Rain Man. That's the fucking movie. Rain Man. Uh, Oscars. It, and it just, it keeps going. A movie that I, I want to particularly point out, though, I do think there was a movie that kind of broke this mold where people started to feel weird about it, and that was definitely I Am Sam. With uh, which, well, that movie still made crazy money. Some of that movie still made ninety million dollars at the box office off its twenty-two million dollar budget or whatever. But Sean Penn plays a man with a cognitive disability uh, who wants to have custody of his child, um, which is a very touching idea. Um, however, uh, you know. It's kind of exploitative to, you know, it's kind of exploitative to put Sean Penn in that role because, you know, he doesn't have a disability. And this is, a, this is another thing is that frequently the stories about people's disability life, uh, people's lives with disabilities, tend to be what is referred to as inspiration porn. Inspiration porn. Uh, the idea of Look at them, they're so inspiring. First of all, uh, yeah, they're pretty inspiring. Uh, a lot of people in life are inspiring. But you know what? People with disabilities don't really appreciate it if like, they tie their shoes themselves and you clap your hands. That's fucking bullshit. That's not, that's not, that's not something that makes them feel, that makes them feel seen in the world. Another thing that has been brought up is that it's very, it's problematic for young people with disabilities growing up to like see a character in a movie with disabilities and then in real life see them not in the wheelchair. This is a story, this is, I mean, I'm talking from anecdotal evidence, but this is the thing that I've heard from people with disabilities that that is very, like that, like, if the first time you're seeing them is in that movie where they have a disability and then you and that makes you feel seen and then in real life you meet them it's like they've been cured it's like that it's it's not good for them it doesn't help them go so i'm going to go over some of these problematic films as i am sam which was rightly attacked by the by the critics because Because I, I don't know, man. I, I just feel like this was Oscar bait. More recently, there has been an incredibly problematic movie that's come out. And I have not seen this film. But I've seen enough of the clips from it and the descriptions and, and whatnot to know that this movie should be set on fucking fire. Um, and the big issue I have with this movie, the movie is called Music. It's written and directed by uh, the singer-songwriter Sia, also produced by Sia. Oof, okay, so I will give Sia some credit here for at least wanting to go and give us, so frequently autistic people are frequently um, presented as being super-powered in Hollywood movies because it's a super useful plot device for to have an autistic character who has like a photographic memory or who can figure out alien technology or shit. It's very popular uh, in Hollywood. But uh, CEO at least tried to explore another part of autism, which was uh, nonverbal autism. Um, but the film's representation, A, not played, uh, 
A, part of the problem is that this film is a passion project for Sia, not because she has a lot to say about autism, but because she wanted to make a film to exemplify the acting abilities of this, uh, of this young girl who she has taken under her wing as, as, a, as, a, as a performer because she wants her to be um, a big superstar and she thinks she's incredibly talented or whatever. Um, so it was a passion project. To, the purpose of it was to make a film for this girl, not to actually say something about autistic people. And that's problematic. Like, if that's your goal, why couldn't you have just written a movie for this girl uh, where uh, she didn't have a disability? I mean, if that was the goal, this, it, it, why didn't you do that, Sia? You could have written a movie about literally fucking anything. But instead, you wrote this movie. And the reason that I'm mad at this movie, as a person who works, who has had training in working with people with disabilities, um, and actually um, knows a lot about di people with disabilities' rights and all those things, because it was part of my training, I've got to say, it bothers me that this movie shows therapies that are now labeled as abuse. So in the film, there is a representation of a, a, a person who should know better. I think like one of the, one of the caregivers or like a, a, a social worker is seen, and I forget the name of this type of therapy, um, but it's essentially therapy where you lay on top of the autistic person to hold them down uh, in the, to the ground until they calm down. And I want to tell you this right now, that's fucking abuse. Like, literally, that is abuse. That is now considered abuse. Uh, it is dangerous. You can hurt somebody. It's not acceptable. Now, don't get me wrong. I had to do a whole training thing where I learned what the acceptable restraints were for when a client was, was, was violent. There are restraints for that. But let me tell you right now, none of them involve laying on a person with your body weight until they stop moving. That's not a thing. That's... That was a thing where people thought that, but guess what? It's abuse, and people have died from it, okay? So, so if, if you know, so like, I just want you to know that that's not acceptable. And this movie apparently didn't know that. Didn't fucking know that that was abuse, and was, why, like, what kind of research did you do, Sia? You, ah, and of course... See a social media breakdown where she defended the film. Uh, it only proved how incredibly conceited, narcissistic, and stupid she was about the thing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I try, I'm trying to take stupid out of my, my vernacular. And it's, this is a very inappropriate time to even use the term stupid because of its ableist history. But God, Sia. God, it makes me angry that you would propagate that bullshit. <sighs> okay. Okay, fuck Sia. She's terrible. I don't like her. Now there is a there is currently, a, but there is there are some signs of hope going on right now. Um, that maybe we are moving in more positive directions. Um, example, um, the show Titans. A a deaf a an actually deaf actor was hired to play Jericho. A comic book character who it has, uh, who is mute. He cannot. He cannot talk. Uh, I and if, if he might be deaf too. Uh, I read somewhere he was an autistic character also, but I'm honestly, I would have to look into it again. I'd have to look into it again. Uh, but that's a positive. Um, there are a couple other movies I want to talk about also. Um, so this movie is sort of in the middle, but maybe it has a point. I don't know. And that movie is. The Ringer. Now, The Ringer is an interesting movie to me for a couple reasons. First of all, um, the film was originally going to be directed by Matt Stone and Trey Parker, um, who at a certain point in, in pre-production were like, you know what, we'll just make a South Park episode about this idea instead. Because The Ringer, the concept of the film The Ringer, is that there is a, there is a man who, in order to try and pay off his, his debts to his bookie, he has agreed to pretend to be a person with disability to try and rig the Special Olympics. Now, from a satirical point, in the context of this larger conversation, 
actually kind of a genius idea because it absolutely reminds me of things like Hollywood actors playing characters with disabilities to win fucking Oscars. I don't know if that's intentional, but that's the way I'd like to look at it now. The film is also produced by the, the Farrelly brothers. And in fairness to the Farrelly brothers, um, in terms of people giving positive representation to people with disabilities, the Farrelly brothers surprisingly out in front of that. Now, to be fair, they've done some pretty politically incorrect jokes about people with disabilities. However, um, they are some of the they are some of the they are some of the directors in Hollywood who almost always try to put actors with disabilities in their movies, um, even when. Even if the film features not... So, like, in the movie um, Stuck on You, it's a movie about two Siamese brothers, which is technically a disability. Now, obviously, since at the end of the film they get separated, they, they cast Hollywood actors and whatnot. But at the same time, um, when we meet their characters, they work in a diner, and the diner is staffed by actors who actually have disabilities. And the Farley brothers are pretty good about hiring actors with disabilities. So, you know what? Um, I would prefer if they hired some of them more in, in, in you know, the main roles. But at, but they're, at the time, they were technically doing more than most people. So, you know what? Hats off to the Farrelly brothers, who, who, who seem to actually at least care about this le issue on some level. Now, the film starred Johnny Knoxville. And the thing that the film did that I think is interesting, and... I think is open to debate on whether it's a good thing or if it, or if it actually has a point and says something, is that the film's casting choice that they made was that they 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 mixed the casting of the the other athletes participating in um, the Special Olympics. It they hired both actors with disabilities to play those roles and then some actors who didn't have disabilities to play those roles and then didn't tell the and then at no point do they let the audience know which ones are which. Now, I mean, you you have IMDb. You can look it up and figure out which ones actually had disabilities and which ones didn't. But in terms of the way the film is presented, it, they specifically don't tell you. And that's, I think, incredible. I think that's, I kind of like that. I kind of like that. It, it feels like that at least is saying something. The movie is, the movie, it's been a while since I saw it, but it was it was relatively funny when I saw it. And... I don't know. It just, it feel certain elements of it make me feel better about it than some of the other movies I've talked about. I mean, it's obviously, it's better than fucking music. Because at least it doesn't endanger people. But that's a low bar. It's a low bar that somehow, it's a low bar that somehow music couldn't clear. It's a very low bar. Just don't endanger people. Jesus. Another positive film that came out recently was actually The Peanut Butter Falcon, um, which is a great movie. Actually, Peanut Butter Falcon is a fantastic movie. I 100% recommend it. It's, it's, funny and, um, it's funny and dramatic. And uh, it, it made me briefly respect um, Shia LaBeouf, uh, who, now to be fair, only a mere month after that, you know, Things happened that made me go, oh, I have no respect for Shia LaBeouf again. God, <laughs> Shia LaBeouf. The respect I have for Shia LaBeouf is like a fucking roller coaster ride. One minute, he's doing something where I'm like, damn, that's a good movie. And he's actually acting really well. And another thing, being a fucking douchebag. Then he's getting drunk, and then he's making a good movie, and then he's committing horrible acts of plagiarism against other artists, and being a pretentious dickhole about it. And then he's making this movie where he seems to actually genuinely be becoming a better person. And then the, the truth about what an abusive asshole he is in relationships comes out. And it's like, damn, this is a roller coaster of emotion, Shia LaBeouf, you son of a bitch. Uh, damn. <clears throat> it's one of those people who's talented, but he's hard to like. But Peanut Butter Falcon is really good. And it, it's so good it made me briefly respect Shia LaBeouf. Uh, so that... That tells you how good it is, and it's. But it stars a it stars a gentleman named uh, Zach Gottsagen, Gottsagen, Gotts I, Sagen. I, I don't know. Uh, however you pronounce it, he is fantastic in the movie, and he actually has disabilities. So, in fact, he is an actor with Down syndrome, but he is great in the movie. Now, in fairness. 
I haven't seen Hollywood put him in something else yet. Um, they should. They absolutely fucking should. Now, the other thing about Hollywood's representation is that it is biased. Um, what do I mean by that? Well, Hollywood has favorite disabilities they like to represent. And uh, Down syndrome is one of them. Um, representation of Down syndrome, uh, while not on par with other types of representation, is out in front when it comes to disabilities. And don't get me wrong, I am not saying that we should take that representation away from people with Down syndrome. Absolutely not. What I'm saying is, is that Hollywood should, you know, expand the expand on the representation of people who, you know, have other disabilities. The other favorite, of course, of Hollywood's is autism, um, which they like to portray, um, you know... The, see, the problem with Hollywood's representation of, of autism is that like all of these disabilities is if you and maybe even more so with with autism or being on the spectrum is that people on the spectrum if you've met one person on the spectrum you have met one person on the spectrum while there are behaviors and things that we associate with autism um, stereotypically it should be noted that those things actually only represent a very small portion of the overall spectrum and that it can be quite quite wide and and vivid and uh, the different types of autism you see can be quite quite different from each other I have worked with a range of different people on the spectrum and no two of them are alike and they're even in the way that they have they learn theater and improv from me they have they can have varied different starting points and things that they need to work on when learning improv so so a major problem that Hollywood has is that they sort of homogenize the image of uh, autistic people to being typically like these standoffish super brains uh, who can uh, who just have like basically uh, superpowers. Um, oh, here's a movie that has ridiculously batshit terrible representation. Let's talk about for let's take a moment here to talk about the Predator, uh, which of course is the most recent movie in the line of Predator films, and it. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this absolute pile of dog shit, uh, but it's bad. Oh, my God. I mean, like, I, uh, you know, I always say, like, I'm not here to, like, shit on your parade if you like a certain thing or whatnot. Um, but uh, uh, The Predator is easily the worst Predator movie. Like, I think it's objective. Like, every single other one of the Predator movies is better than it. It is trash. And I mean, if you like it, whatever. But with this one, it's hard for me to respect your opinion on it if you liked it because of how incredibly um, ableist the whole fucking movie is. Uh, and it's weird. It's a weird movie. Um, so first up, major plot point. Like the majorest of all the plot points in the film is that there is this boy with autism. Um, and we know he has autism. Well, I mean, they talk about it in the movie. But, like, the film also demonstrates his autism to us because there's a, a scene where uh, bullies come in and, like, m fuck with him, and then they throw all these chess pieces on the floor, and the kid can, like, remember exactly where all the chess pieces on the board went and puts them all back before he leaves. Because um, he's got that super brain. Um, and don't be wrong, there are plenty of autistic people who are good at learning things, and I'm sure some of them even have photographic memory, but, like, definitely not all of them could do that. Like, that's ridiculous. But, of course, he has to be one of the super autistic people. I don't mean super autistic isn't very autistic. I mean autism as a superpower. Because he, of course, is going to get a hold of a predator mask and going to be able to, even though predator language is a 
extremely abstract set of weird dots and lines, uh, figure out how to use the helmet. Um, uh, so, yeah. So I guess he has to be super smart. Um, and then the major plot of the movie, though, comes down to the fact that the Predators want to kidnap this kid so that they can take him back to, his, to their planet because they think that autism is the next step in human evolution uh, on our planet, uh, which that's a lot there to unpack right there in terms of like, oh, well, yeah, no, they really are taking autism as a superpower to the absolute maximum on this plot point here. Okay, wow. Um, yeah. But, like, the film's ableism doesn't stop there. Um, it gets weirder. Um, because, um, so basically, the, there's a, a black ops soldier who is not nearly as entertaining as Arnold Schwarzenegger, who essentially has to, uh, who essentially is in this position where, like, he's seen the aliens and the government's covering up, so they, so they push him into the crazies. Like they, they separate him off and they put they try they start they take they start go to ship him to a place where they send all the veterans uh, who have like mental illness and he gets on this bus um, and he's on this bus with a, with a wide range of differently abled and, and mentally ill it's it's mostly it's mostly mental and neurological disabilities that they have um, so there's the one marine. Uh, who, who, who is there because he tried to kill himself, um, and so he's now he's he's labeled as suicidal. And side note, that guy ends up killing himself heroically later, which is weird um, when you think about the fucking context. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, and then you got uh, Thomas Jane in the movie, uh, and he's got. Uh, and he's got Tourette's, so he's always just, he, he, he just has a neurological twitch and he'll just say shit. And he's got, and he's like best friends or like, um, and he's best friends slash, uh, I'll be honest, my favorite version of this film is to imagine that him and Keegan-Michael Keyes are secretly gay. That's my favorite version of this movie. Um, because, I mean, like, their relationship is the most entertaining part of the entire film. But Keegan-Michael Keyes, I forget... I forget what's wrong with him, but, like, I think it's revealed later that he, like, um, he, like, flipped out on the battlefield and, like, tried to kill one of his, uh, his fellow soldiers. It may have even been Thomas Jane, who he's best buds with now. Um, and then there's the, and then there's, um, Reek from, uh, Game of Thrones. I forget his name, but he's there, and he's a sniper, and as far as I can tell, his dis his mental quirk is that he does magic. Uh, like, he has no character development. It's not clear why he's on the bus. We just know that he does magic tricks, and he has been labeled as a not-mentally competent soldier. Like, that's all we know about him. Uh, so, like, if I were to describe the plot of The Predator, it would be a team of... a team of uh, mentally ill and disabled veterans team up to rescue a child from with autism from an from a space alien that wants to steal his spine fluid it's fucking batshit like and there's even a part in the movie where one of the guys um like uh says like the r slur and then another guy's like hey man don't hey, don't say that. You And, like, the main character, the autistic kid is the main character's son. And so, like, this one guy says says the R slur, and this other guy immediately goes, hey, man, don't say that. His kid is R slur. And it's like, oh, my God. I mean, like, it's nice that you had a character call it out, but it, when you do it that way, it feels like you're making it more of a joke. Ah. Uh, It just, it's a dog shit movie. It's a dog shit movie. Also, like, the, the, the film's big thing is, like, 
this the movie's idea of what to do with the predators next is to like have a giant predator. Like that's like it's like oh you thought the other predators were scary. Check it out, giant predator. Oh! It's like what the fuck? Terrible movie. It's 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 dog shit. This is a dog shit movie. Only entertaining in the fact that it is absurdly bad. And just cringe humor throughout the entire thing. It's it's like the Terminator 3 where they just they, they were like, What if we made every trope from the series a joke? <laughs> just absolute fucking dog shit of a movie. Suck it, Shane Black. Although to be fair, I hear there was a lot of uh there was a lot of, you know, like studio interference on the film, so you know, maybe it's not all his fault. But he did some of that shit, and some of that shit is unacceptable. Okay. Where was I? I got, got off on the tangent here. About that fucking terrible movie. Uh, so, yeah. What, guess what, my, what, what is my point here? Okay, so here, 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 here are the takeaways. Takeaway number one, okay? Hollywood needs to do better at representing types of characters who have disabilities. You may not know it, but you may even work with people who have some type of disability. Dyslexia is considered a disability, and it is one of the, it is considered the most common disability in the world. There are dozens of actors who who are confirmed to have dyslexia. Um, but guess what? They don't all play dyslexic characters in the movies that they're playing. So what am I saying there? I'm saying, we need to give better roles to people with disabilities or things that society labels as disabilities. Um, I, I word it that way because technically I am also counting people like Peter Dinklage. Although, on a certain level, I don't really think of Peter Dinklage as disabled at all. I think he's an incredibly successful uh, person. The fact that he has um, this height issue... Um, I don't think net reflects on him negatively, but it does change the way that Hollywood is willing to cast him. And thank goodness that he got to be on Game of Thrones and and show Hollywood how good of a fucking actor he really is, so that they can cast him in lots of things. And not e and he's been a big advocate of rejecting uh, stereotypical roles for uh, for people. Uh, in his situation. So hats off to Peter Dinklage, who is an absolute fucking legend. Um, absolute brilliant goddamn actor. Fantastic. Um, but the thing is, is that there are plenty of roles that we should normalize having people with disabilities in. Um, absolutely. There's no reason that, like, we couldn't have... that. that there's no reason that Zach... Got, got Sagan uh, couldn't be like the best friend in a movie or a guy who works at the office in a movie the point is that we shouldn't be just sticking these people into these little boxes and especially and, and even in, for live theater like live theater there's so many things we could do, do for actors uh, with disabilities in live theater. Because you know what? It's live theater. It's largely representational. You know we're playing to pretend. Give them any role that you think that they could play well. Do it. Uh, it's... Get out there and do it. Give these roles and these jobs and think about giving them out. But also, Hollywood, you... but also think about the way rep we represent various disabilities in the media. Remember, the goal should be to humanize. The goal should be to show these people as individuals, not to exploit their disabilities for to feel good about these stories. Also, you should watch Peter Butter Falcon. It's a great movie. I kn it's a great movie that does a great job uh, with what it's saying. Also, side note, uh, thing that is real is that the the North Carolina does have dog shit services for people with uh, disabilities, and that is represented in the film in the fact that he's a young man who's being kept in a nursing home, uh, and that that's one hundred percent true. Uh, there's lots of places in the country where uh, where the services are better or worse, 
and and that's that's a thing we need we also need to talk about in this society but what was I saying um, so yes we need to think about the jobs and to be fair that should apply to the, my last video also um, having these people represent themselves in our media when the part calls for a character with disabilities and but also being more open-minded to casting these people in more regular roles in in films because there's no reason they can't play those things there's nothing to say that the guy working at a restaurant or the best friend or or someone else they go to school with or or any of these other things couldn't have a disability um, there's, there's no reason you can't do that so please can so please like we should cast more people with disabilities in things 100% and I'm so glad that we appear to be going in that direction right now it appears that the conversation is changing and we hopefully will at some point not have to deal with this Oscar chasing bullshit uh, that Hollywood has been pulling us on us for for fucking decades because while it, while in a certain way those films can be important for getting the uneducated to empathize um, we can still do better all right so so it the jobs and how we represent people are important these are both important things in our in our capitalistic society and even if we weren't capitalists it would still matter because those jobs are artist jobs and no one should be stopped from doing artist jobs because art is an important fundamental part of our society and that would be true if we were capitalist or not all right I'm gonna leave that with there stay tuned for funny part two I don't mean there's gonna be a sequel to this episode I mean I know from looking at the numbers that not everyone stays for the for the jokes at the end of the episode you're missing out that's all I'm saying all right, everyone. I'm very excited to say here we are today, getting ready to film the incredible sequel to I Am Sam, starring Sean Penn. Here we are today doing I Am Sam and I Have a Gun. And it's going to be the incredibly touching story of, of Sam getting a, getting a firearm and going to rescue his daughter from terrorists. Let's. Are you ready, Sean Penn? Oh yeah, I'm ready. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. I'm going to get my daughter back. We are going to make so much fucking money. <laughs>